Hello and welcome to Leadership Behaviours Unpacked. My name is Jane Lewis and I'm a leadership coach. I've spent the last 30 years working with people from all walks of life and in industries large and small, with chief executives and entrepreneurs, listening to their experiences, their ideas and their stories. I've also worked with the people who support them, the mentors, the coaches and the therapists. And in this podcast, I want to share all of their experiences with you. Here we look at the many aspects of leadership behaviours, what people actually do and the impact that has. As a leadership coach, I want to explore the roles that behaviour plays in leadership and in life and look around the edges of this topic. Every interview will be different, but the behaviours that make the people who join me here unique will always be the focus. If you're interested in leadership, behaviours and people's lives, then you're very welcome. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by Val Huxley, CEO and co-founder of People Against Poverty. After a life-changing visit to Romania in 2004, Val left family and friends back in Kent to support what was then a fledgling charity based in Wiltshire. Few would argue that since joining the charity, she's been the mainstay She's gone through many changes along with the charity over the years, but has served selflessly. She is respected by project leaders and loved by hundreds of children and families within the projects. Val's passion for the charity's objectives in helping to relieve communities from poverty is huge. Val is humble, caring, compassionate and driven to make the world a better place. Many of us look at situations across the world, never more so than today when the challenges facing the Ukraine feel so close to home. But few of us step up and change our lives to make an immeasurable difference to those in need in the way that Val has done. It is with huge pleasure that I welcome Val to the podcast today. So I'm delighted to welcome Val Huxley to the podcast today. Val, welcome. And I really appreciate you taking the time out today. I know this every day is a busy day in your world, but I know at this particular time even more so. And I was really excited about you joining to talk about your charity based really close to here in Trowbridge, People Against Poverty. You've got projects all over the world. And before I start talking about it, I really would love to hear from you, kind of your story and your words about what is People Against Poverty about? What do you do? And actually, how did it come about? How have you got to where People Against Poverty is today? Right. Okay. Big question. So, yeah, it is. It is. Back in 2004, Bill, my husband and myself, um, found us going on a trip to Romania with a a very small charity at the time. And we went for five days, and those five days absolutely broke our heart. From the minute we got there, we didn't stop crying. The poverty, the deprivation, Mm. the country, it was was shocking. It, It hit you to the core. And we went into places that you wouldn't even consider going in we went into ghetto areas we went into ghetto blocks we was with someone that absolutely you know 
you wouldn't go in without them yeah. being there. He was like a Pied Piper. He, all these hundreds of kids, like rats, came out of these square hovels, that's what I call them. They ran out to him, just wanting to hug him and cuddle him and kiss him. And they were filthy, Jane. That You know, they, they stank. Before you got to the building, you could smell and, and holding back that you know, heaving, yeah. you know, was quite difficult, but, you know, you managed it. And then five days we were sort of in that situation and then I just, we just got back home and said, we've got to do something about this. So my husband, Bill, he called Paul, who was the founder of this small charity, who said, look, Paul, I'll come and help you. I'll come, I'll come down three days a week because we were living in Kent at the time. Okay. And, and Paul lived in Bradford-on-Avon in Wiltshire. And uh, he travelled down on Sunday, Wednesday to Sundays, no, Sunday to Wednesdays, came back for the weekend. And he started helping him sort of try to develop the charity because it was very, it was a real fledgling charity at that time. Based purely in Romania at that time, it was a... Uh, yes, focus. and there was another project they were supporting that was the NEMA Crafts in Tanzania. So that was very small at the time. That was in the January 2005. By May 2005, we'd left our home, our friends, our church, our kids. <laughs> they were Jeez. older. They were like 20 and 21 or 19 and 21, but left everybody behind to come and help do this charity with Paul. And, yeah, that was it. That was the turnaround of our life, and we've been here ever since. You make um, it sound like a really sort of simple decision when you say, you know, we decided and we upped and we kind of sold up, moved to moved yeah. to Wiltshire. I can't imagine it was quite... It actually, that, Jane, it, Was it, it that did, simple? It did feel like that, you know, just doors opened okay. everywhere. When we were started to look at it, you know, the doors just flung open so we knew it was right. We're, we're Christians, we have a faith. Yeah. So we know that, you know, God was in it and he, he led us down that route and yeah so we've uh stayed <laughs> stayed the course and it's 18 years now and was um, people against poverty born at that point or did no. you join paul's charity at that point yeah no we joined paul's charity I, I i came in as office manager but there was no office to manage as such okay. bill was helping on the business side of things and yeah, so we stayed, we were there till 2007, just under that, you know, devised guise, whatever the word is. And yeah, Paul decided that he, he wanted to leave. Um, it was his personal thing that he just wanted to go. He wanted to close the charity down and we said, no, you can't. There's too yeah. many kids now that we're helping because we'd set up child sponsorship during that time. So we had kids you know, being sponsored for yeah. basics in life. And so it all got a little bit, you know, sour on us, but we carried on and decided to take it over. And then in 2010, we rebranded to People Against Poverty and then introduced new programmes to, to the uh, cause. So okay. we're... We started off with the two countries. We're now in six. Okay. That's our UK project. 
So can you tell me a little bit about the kind of the six projects? So obviously Romania is still at the yeah. heart of People Against Yeah, Poverty, yeah. And it, it's our biggest started. project. Yeah. yeah, it's our biggest project. That's where we've invested most of our time and support and structure um, to start programmes. We have a, a legal project helping people get their identities back. So these are people that are just forgotten by society so can't access anything, can't access a doctor, can't access hospitals, anything. They can't have a, a permanent home. Well, that's kind of, to kind of dig into that just a little bit, because yeah. that, it's, we talked a while ago, didn't we? We talked kind of recently about how, how we would cope when we look at the kind of current crisis that's going on in, in Europe. And actually, when you say something like, actually, they have no identity. Yeah. I think when we often look into places like Romania, we think about, the orphanages and the children that are kind of left there. We we don't look at the kind of true cost, but yeah. that is a massive cost. But actually, when you say like, if someone doesn't have an identity, yeah, what do you do? How do you access anything? We have such yeah. a safety net in this country. Exactly, that, that's it, Jane. We have a safety net. If you're a British national, however bad things get, there yeah. is a safety net. Yeah. That that safety net is so well. There isn't one, is there? No, it's void. There's just nothing there, and there's no support at all. I mean, when they do get support, it's very limited anyway. So you know, it is so so limited. So if a mother comes in and wants her child to be registered, uh, wants her child to be registered to have a birth certificate or an identity card, if she hasn't got a birth certificate or that identity, we have to do her. If she hasn't got one, we then have to do her parents. And it can go down generations before we can even get the children at the beginning registered. So it can become quite costly and timely because sometimes parents have died, you know. I was going to say, so quite often, not far back in that chain. Exactly. It won't exist. No, exactly. And uh, Adrian, he used to work in government, uh, but he gives it all his time now to the word joy, which is fantastic in Romania. And he's our sensible person. You know, he's the one that deals with all the legit stuff. So, yeah, so that's just part of the legal project. You know, there's other stuff that goes on. People, you know, when they can start getting their identities, they've then got to apply for um, state pensions or owning their land if they've got a bit of land because almost everybody has a little bit of land yeah. in Romania um but it's 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 all that stuff that goes but on but it's not necessarily yeah it's, it's not, not they're not se- necessarily not able a, to prove it's, it's theirs a, yeah it's not a sexy project no but it's an essential project project you know for us to function with these people yeah. you know so it's a great example of that because I think when you you know, quite often you see stories, don't you, of actually, you know, people kind of rushing in to rescue. Yeah. Which is needed. But yeah. actually when you talk then about the stuff underneath, the kind yeah. of real legal administrative, yeah. just to enable these people to start to have some independence back, yeah. to start to kind of have a little bit of control over their own lives. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so Romania Romania's a big... Was your was your first the kind of real baby that kickstarted people against poverty? Yeah, yeah. Then we introduced Haiti. Yep. So what happened was the I think it was two thousand and ten. It had the major earthquake yep. 
in January 2010. In October, the year before, we partnered with Gertrude and the orphanage, not Tremaison Orphanage, St Joseph's Orphanage. And thank God we did, because in that January, we were starting child sponsorship there. So in the January was when they had the earthquake. Oh, my gosh, you know, had we come in at the right time, we did an appeal and we did it locally with all the schools and businesses, etc. We raised, I think, about £22,000 for that. And that helped Gertrude get the house all back up and together. Because it, although it didn't, uh, her house absolutely went to the ground. She was crushed. So and she used to run a bed and breakfast from there, which helped fund the orphanage. Okay. So she lost all her income, all her home. She lost her daughter for five days. She couldn't find her. She was only imagine, she was only nine. Oh gosh, it was shocking, Jane. It really awful. And she turned up safely, thank God. So we helped, and the orphanage itself, although it didn't collapse, there were major cracks in it. So none of the kids were sleeping inside. They were sleeping under tarpaulin outside. And so that was, you know, it was quite a shock to the system. And there's a lot of disabled children as well. So it needed all that, you know, to look after them. We, We helped put the structure back of the home built new, like, or railings around the house and put safety in, etc. So, and then our relationship just grew from there. So we do child sponsorship in Haiti, but obviously we we do crisis support. Yeah. And we do that with all our projects. So that's Haiti. Next one is Nepal. Okay. Um, and I've had the great pleasure of going to Nepal, Nepal twice Best time to meet Krishna, who's our project leader, to see how he works and with the families he works with. Again, it's child sponsorship and crisis help. But then the second one was in the earthquake. Short, shortly after the earthquake, I flew over there and it was awful. It was shocking. There were still aftershocks going on whilst we were there and you could feel it. You know, it was quite tense, but to see these beautiful temples you know, just crushed, just crushed to the ground. The roads were just splitting. But the worst thing was, we oh gosh, we were in, it's quite funny when I look back at it now, but it ha- it happened during, we were there when they had the, cri- the petrol crisis. I don't know if you ever remember yeah, yeah, that. It yeah. was in 2015. Yeah. And there was a major petrol. They couldn't get petrol from India into the country. The India borders stopped it all going through. I can't remember what happened. Anyway, so there was certain days you could drive. There were certain days that taxis could, and buses could go. Oh, wow. And it, it, there were certain days that you just couldn't do anything. So for us to do our trip, we had to get to another area. So we had to, we, I mean, God paved the way for, for us on that trip. We, we managed to get on this bus that took 10 hours to get to the area that we were going to. And we were there for two days and then we had to come back. So it all had to fit in with the date times that these buses could go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing was to save money on the petrol and everything, they turned all the air conditioning on and it was so oh much. My Jane, God. it must have been about <laughs> 100 degrees sitting in this coach. 
We the water was just dripping off of us. It was oh, it was shocking. But yeah, that was that was something too. How do you? One of the things I I I just kind of you know there's so much to admire about the work you do and about what you you as a person. And actually, I think one of the things that really interests me is you you talk about you know the shock the the actual how how raw the emotion is when you see what's happening and yet you manage to a to be able I guess to see the funny side of some of the things that yeah. happen to you in it but also to turn that into action and really drive to change that whereas yeah. And that's a that is an incredible that is it's, an incredible kind of thing yeah. to be able to do. Whereas so many people kind of crumble under it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Jane. What is it's, that? It's, it's, I don't know. I've no idea. Um, it, it's what keeps. It's what gets me up in the morning. There's times when it's quite. You know, everything's going on okay. All the projects are running properly and things like that. And and I think right. That's my time. I can retire, you know. Yeah, we've had that chat. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's time for me to step back and, yeah. you know, and then something happens and then it just fires something in me. No, I can't walk away from this. I've still got to help these people because yeah. they can't do it alone. So it's just, I don't know, it's just firing up my passion for, I don't, who knows, Jane? Who knows? And are there particular people that you've helped that you that that stick in your mind that you oh, God, that yeah. you kind of think about when you? Yes, so many, so many. Like when when I first started the child sponsorship program, Daniela, we went into this ghetto block where the rooms were like three meters square with Jeez. no windows. And they burn anything to get out within the space. Within the space, so there's plastic burning, the smell, and all the excrement that's all over the place as well. You know, you can imagine the smell. There's no, there's no heating, there's no water, there's no electricity, there's no sanitation in these blocks. And Daniela, she was four years old, the most beautiful little girl I've ever seen. These big brown eyes, dark hair. And she looked up at me and she was sitting by a tea light, a little tea light, and she was drawing a picture on a piece of scrap paper. And I looked at her and I said, I'm going to sponsor her. I can't leave this kid in this situation. Yeah. Anyway, I, so she was like the instigation of the child sponsorship programme. I, I sponsored her and then we did an exhibition and I managed to get another 10 kids done and then another 10. So it was really good how it started. And then Daniela and her mum, she lived with her mum and her sister, Madalina. They left for Italy in about, I think it must have been about 2012. And they now live in Italy. She's the most beautiful young girl so beautiful she could be a model and they're happy they're not rich they don't live a a, you know a rich life but they're happy they've they've got work mum's got work and we're still in touch so amazing it's lovely so yes see that difference people do touch my life but no more so than our project leaders because they they are the ones that are on the ground 
on the front line doing the work. And they've often got pretty desperate stories themselves. Oh gosh, yeah. When you look at their yeah. lives, they're not they're not kind of no. they're not some sort of rich person who's no, coming no, in no. and rescuing these people. They're often yeah. from within but, those communities. Yeah. Valentine, bless him, he, he had a terrible life, you know, they had nothing. And he was an al- he was an alcoholic. He, he he drank a lot. He never beat his wife, but you know, he was quite aggressive. And he lost, he became a Christian. Through that, he lost his job. He was a car, oh. mechanic, he, he was a car mechanic and they, they sacked him. Really? So he, yeah. So he lost his Whoa. income to support his family. And so they went downhill big time. They had nothing. He said, What he had, a choice. I know. He said, I had a slice of bread. He said, It was so bad, Val. So, so bad. Anyway, he said these kids used to come knock at the door. Mister, can you give us a slice of bread? And he would give them the, his last bit of bread that he had for his own family. And and they're, they're my inspiration, people like Valley, you know. And now, you know, they've, they've got a nice home. They've got a beautiful family. And Raul, who, who was, we employed him as our operations manager, but he's now a teacher part-time in the local school but his heart is the way of joy you know and yeah. he works with them yeah so it's uh yeah it's people like that that inspire me yeah they're the real true heroes yeah and at the beginning when you mentioned about the kind of UK project as well so the UK project is business against poverty uh, which is yeah, how it's yeah it's yeah it is, is sort of project it, it's really yeah it's the business arm of the charity so yeah. the registered charities people against poverty and we've set up a business arm that's working with the business community on their purpose but we want every business that functions to work with purpose yeah so that their their profits can help all the others wherever it is whatever they do and Business Against Poverty is like a membership community where yeah. businesses can come in and use our branding and be seen as a Business Against Poverty member because we've got a lovely community if they use it. Yeah, and because I, I think one of the things that as people listen to this and is often actually what difference can I make? And I think sometimes people feel a bit confused about what difference they can make. And there's yeah. a lot of talk at the moment, isn't there, with Ukraine about... You know, yeah. where's my money going? And actually, yeah. it, is it going to the right place? Can it reach the people yeah. who need it? People can sometimes feel a bit overwhelmed and then kind of end up paralysed. And it's almost like you don't know what to do yeah. or not do for the best. And business, and actually, a lot of people listening to this podcast are people who run their own businesses or they work for organisations who who will do lots of kind of charitable sort of like matching, et cetera. But Business Against Poverty is a way for even small businesses to make quite a massive difference on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. And it's an affordable way of of giving. And so the Business Against Poverty income helps the charity. So it helps us here in the ground, but it also gets injected into our project work. So, you know, it's not a massive income stream that we get from Business Against Poverty, but every penny helps. So, you know, it helps us do our fundraising. It helps things like that, you know, and then we can 
you know, the benefits are that it reaches the project. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned about, you know, people say, well, where does the money go and uh, does it get there? And, you know, what do that's the thing with us, Jane. We're very transparent and we yeah. write about our projects. We know, like, now we've got this uh, um, Ukrainian appeal going on because our Romania project is taking in refugees. But already, you know, we've sent over money so that they can feed these people. And it's still ongoing. And it's going to be a long-term ongoing thing. So it's going to be a continuous project. And and I think yet again, you know, we talked about, you know, people like Valentin and actually the poor supporting the poor. Yeah. You look at what's is, happening literally. right now, as you say, the projects yeah. in Romania who, are, you know, they're still poor people. Yeah. They're there, and actually yeah. the projects are taking in Ukrainian refugees yeah. and sharing exactly. that bit yeah. that they have. And, and I know you mentioned it when we spoke before about, you know, the work you've had to do to make sure the money actually is able to get there because yeah. actually there's so much... Yeah. Red tape for you to. Oh, gosh. But now it's even worse now, China. Oh, gosh. Trying to get money abroad to international projects, the loopholes that we now have to go through. I mean, even one of our businesses made a large donation, I say like a thousand pounds for the Ukraine appeal. He even acted, and he was going from his company to, to people against poverty here in the UK and he had to go through all legal checks is he the right is he the right person you know is he is he AJ Weeks and is he you know it's all in the end he said right stop it he said I don't want to send it and he did it through his personal account in the end because he's it's just so much red tape yeah our India project, bless them, oh gosh, India put in some sanction in 2018 that charities, you can't help charities. So they won't accept money coming from charity to help the charity. What's so, that? Oh, I don't know. It's awful. It, since um, December, we've really had problems getting money to them. You know, we're owing them thousands. And it, it's there sitting waiting for them. But we just can't get it through. We've gone through so many channels. But we'll get there. We'll get there. But in the meantime, these kids have got to stay alive, you know. Jeez. It, I'm, I'm kind of listening to you say those kind of things. It just, it, it brings me back again, I think, to that. And I know you, you're a really humble person. And I know when I kind of say how inspiring you are people can't see your face but actually you know it's uncomfortable you know it's like you know actually I'm just doing my job it's what I kind of do but that drive to keep on pushing when actually you must just want to scream sometimes you know the money's here yeah the children are hungry there and need kind of that support and actually we can't kind of join the two yeah yeah there's my body goes through every emotion Jane you know, every single emotion, it cries, it shouts, it swears, <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's continuous, you know, it's it's one of those things, just got to keep trying until we get there. Yeah. And we will, we will get there, I know we'll get there. And we mentioned another person at the beginning when you talked about setting up the charity, which is your husband, Bill. Yeah. So you 
followed this passion together. It was our mission. It was your mission together. Yeah. How it how it is that to to work together, to have that mission together. So clearly, you know, long marriage, children together, work together, but not just any old work. You know, yeah. as you say, you you will go through all the emotions under the sun, yeah. probably in an hour, let alone in a t- day. Yeah. Or yeah. And actually, Bill will be doing the same. How how is that? How does it kind of work together? Does it kind of? How do you kind of? How do you carry on kind of working together, living together, and actually when you're going through all of that, how do you balance that? I'll say one thing, and Bill will say the other. It's your you're on here. Bill's not on here. Yeah, I'm the worst one to work with. You know, he says to me, "You wouldn't treat other staff like this." You know, so but yeah, I mean, because it is our passion. You know, we both both went through this emotion together, you know, and so we've built it up. And, yeah, I mean, back a couple of years ago, Bill um, stepped back from the charity work. He still supported the business against poverty because he started that, he founded that, coming from his background. And so he still sort of does that in the background now and again. But a couple of years ago, he stepped back because he wanted to build up his own practice because he's a psychotherapist counsellor. Uh, so he wanted to build that up and then you know he did and now he's sort of partly well he's mainly retired from it now he'll do a little bit now and again so now and again he'll come in he'll pop in and do a a post or something on social media and but he's he's one of our trustees of course so you know everything I do I go by him we talk together about it and sometimes I say no <laughs> and then we'll have an argument but you know generally we're sort of on the same page. Do you think you could could do what you've done if you were sort of with someone whose who's values or work or sort of ethics were very different? No. 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 There's something straight, quite magic straight about it. Out, no. Yeah. Yeah definitely. Yeah, it's something we experience together. And we've both got the same sort of heart, you know. Yeah. We've been together, what, 48 years, Jane. So, Jeez. you know, we've learned from each other. We've gone through yeah. lots of trials and tribulations. And yeah. Yeah, it's, we're one. Yeah. <laughs> And, and actually, if Bill if Bill may well appear on a kind of future episode, <laughs> so we can hear Bill side of it too, probably. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I that I was interested to ask you as well is that the work that you do, the people's lives that you've seen and you've been able to change, does that or has that changed the way that you see people and businesses kind of back here in the UK? So if you think about, you know, you and I belong to a couple of business networks where we see different things kind of going on does that does that change the kind of way that you see people and what's in what you believe is important in business yeah sometimes negatively yeah because clearly some people are just there to to make money for themselves for business for themselves and it's not our we work it's it's not on our radar to be like that you know we're all here on this earth together to share it just share, share what you've got, you know, what entitles you to have all these riches, 
you know, and when there's so much poverty. Yeah. And that divide's getting bigger and bigger, isn't it? I think when yeah. you, you look yeah. at this country, yeah. you know, you let, even if we focus on the kind of UK and, and yeah. kind of locally, the difference I do, between... I, I, I do find it's, it's really weird, you know, and this is from individuals as well, it's not just business, but I find the smaller businesses and the poorer people are the most generous. You'll get yeah. more money from the poor than you will from, yeah. you know, middle class. Yeah. Um, and that's... We've seen that across the board. Yeah. And I think, you know, and if you looked at percentage-wise what oh, gosh, will yeah. give of their money and their yeah. time. Yeah. And, and you sometimes I think that you look at kind of these, you know, the super rich and it's like, yeah, but they're benefactors of this, yeah. this, this, and you go, but they could afford to give millions. Exactly, yeah. Millions. Yeah. So actually it's... It's not, it's not the same. I remember when we started child sponsorship, I was at an exhibition down uh, in Lincoln, it was, and this woman came up and she said to me, oh, she said, you, you've broken my heart telling me these stories and showing all these children. And she was with her two little kids. So she said, right, kids, I'm asking you now, shall we get rid of our... I think it was Sky TV at the time. Shall we get rid of Sky TV? So it means you won't be able to watch the Disney and anything and things like that. So we can sponsor one of these children. So they said, yes, mummy, yes, mummy. And she did. She actually said, she said, I'm on um, tax credits or whatever. She said, I haven't got a lot of money. So she said, but we will give that up, she said. And to this day, she still sponsors yeah. And they're, they're the people yeah. that I love to talk to. When you when you speak to, especially when we do like Christian conferences and things like that, and you get people coming up and they spend about five or ten minutes with you, you tell them the story, and then they'll go, great, thank you. We'll go and pray about it. What you got? What you got to pray about? Yeah. God, God won't tell you to go and pray to feed a starving child, you yeah. know. And that's what hurts. That that hurts me. Yeah. Yeah. And when people, I think there'll be people that will kind of listen to this and probably watching the news right now as well and thinking about actually what can I do that will make the most difference? Because I think you know, that lady's example is brilliant, isn't it? Because you think there is always something you can give up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In yeah. in in this, yeah. you know, in in most of our kind of lives, and certainly the lives of those that listen to this yeah. podcast, I think. Yeah. What would you say to people who are kind of going, "I want to help, and I have no idea where to start." It all depends, you know. If they've got money, then obviously donate, donate to whatever cause. You know, it doesn't have to be us. There's plenty of people out there doing stuff. Obviously, we'd love it to come via us because we know it reaches there within a week and that they can continue doing the work they're doing. Small donations, set up a small direct debit, even if it was £3 a month. You yeah. Know, that all those little pounds make a big difference. £3 a month will give two children a hot meal. Jeez. You know. And yet, if you think about, you know, we would spend more than that on a cup of coffee. In- yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, and I think when you break it down like that and go, yeah. actually, could you actually just take your own coffee? Yeah, 
exactly and, I mean, know, even if you're not delving into what you have you know what are the things that we just take for granted yeah that we spend on? it costs 25 pounds a month to sponsor a child and that will give the child it's very basic so that's food a food parcel every month so the whole family can share it any medication it needs clothing so they save up the money and then they'll buy a pair of boots for the winter and a coat for the winter and then in the summer they'll get t-shirts and shorts so it's it's like seasonal each each area each country is different the pool is purely for their education so it pays for all their schooling fees and things like that so you give up how much coffee is now three pounds yeah three pounds ten yeah you know, give up for a week drinking one coffee yeah. a day and you've paid for it. And if I know. think back to when I when I was working in London, I would probably pick, get a coffee as I got on the train. Yeah. Maybe get one in the morning and get some, go go and get stuff, yeah. you know, we'd kind of do a round of it in the afternoon. And you think, I think I worked out once that it probably cost me about 20 quid a day on coffee yeah. and cake and lunch, which you, yeah, you think that's 20 quid a day. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. just absolutely ridiculous. So even in a working week, that was yeah. Probably getting up to, I remember working out once and going, crikey, how much do I spend just on yeah. being in work? And that's, that is something you can give yeah. up quite easily, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. As I say, it saves a life. It literally saves a, a child's life. Yeah. Yeah. The past couple of weeks, I wanted to just talk kind of briefly about what's happening in Ukraine. And because I know that you've been incredibly busy in the yeah. last kind of couple of weeks, you don't have specific projects there, but obviously Romania particularly borders yeah. very closely. Right. So you've got refugees yeah. coming in. How has that impacted the charity uh, and you over it, the last few weeks? Yeah, it's been quite traumatising, Jane, because I've been following particularly one family. Well, we got a call out of the blue from a friend who said, Val, you know, I'm going to put some pressure on you, but can you help? This family know no one out of the Ukraine. They've got family in the UK, which they want to reach. Can you help? So I said, yeah, definitely. So I got in touch with our Romania project in Yash and said, look, guys, you know, we know we're going to be helping with, with, with Ukraine people. Can we add this to it? And they said, yes, definitely. So they gave me all the route that they should take because they were coming right from the far end. Of uh, okay. Right on portion. It took them six days to drive across. And that's just fighting all the bullets and everything. There's mum, dad and three children, 11, 8 and 2 in the car. We've been in contact daily with on WhatsApp, what's going on, where they stand, where they're stopping overnight. Dad was driving all day long to get to the next, you know, state, city. Anyway, they finally got to the Romanian border and they got through no problem, which was an absolute godsend. Then they drove down to our project, the way of joining Romania, and they were there since last um, Friday to yesterday when they had to leave to go down to Bucharest to now sort out their visas, the big problem. So they've got their appointment today at one one twenty. So on the other end of WhatsApp to see what's going on, I'm in touch with a lawyer here in the UK that someone put me in touch with who said, any problems, just call me. 
their volunteering their time people so we're just waiting and praying now that they're going to get their visas we won't know for two days i think they're saying sort of 24 to 48 hours someone said to me it's now 72 hours but it, it's shocking I try, trying to get through to the visa people last week about this you, you know you go on the go on gov.uk site and go on gov.uk site and it just it just it's a minefield you click one thing then it takes you back to the beginning again so it's like a circle all yeah. the time going round and round and round yeah but we're just praying out this weekend that they may be with their family here in the uk yeah which is and and i, and I think you know i just hope that some of the you know, surely the government will have to sit up and actually invest some manpower and actually yeah. some some compassion behind yeah. the visa situation. You think, you know, it can be made easier. It's just yeah. horrifying to think that, as, as, as you know, when you and I talked before and you said about, you know, what would we do if suddenly it was like, exactly. leave your home and get out in a hurry, where would you go? Where would you reach out for help? And actually, if you think that you can't, you can't even reach out to the embassy no. or to immigration offices and actually have even anyone there to kind of speak to you. Exactly. And I, I think when, and, and kind of looping back to when you talked about in Romania, you know, people's identities and we, people often joke, you know, and actually for us, it's never, it's, Particularly for kind of, you know, I think our generation, we've never had to face that in this country, unless I guess there's a fire or something like that. But if someone said, leave the house now, you know, I don't even know where my birth certificate is. Yeah. If I'm honest, my yeah. husband would probably know where, he's, where it is. But I don't, you know, I'm terrible yeah. with paperwork. I have no, so actually, the, and the chance of me thinking I need to grab that before I go. Yeah. To then have something. So you think, it just is unimaginable for us, yeah, isn't it? And that's the state that so many people are in, isn't it? They've grabbed the first things they can get out because they're running for their lives. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still speaking to um, Aliona and fr- some of our friends are still there in the city and they're sending her videos and pictures of what it looks like. And it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. She said, this is my home. She said, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. And they go, they will go back. It's not their intention to stay in the UK to live forever, you know. These people want their country back. You, you can see what they're yeah. doing. They're fighting. And, and that's often, they're, isn't it? You oh, think when you gosh, hear what yeah. the kind of cruelty of some people yeah. about refugees and you think, yeah. they don't want to be here. They were perfectly happy in the home they were yeah. in. They have a home. They had their family. Yeah. They had their lives. They don't want to be here. They just yeah. need somewhere safe until they can go back. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we've got an appeal going for that, James. Um, okay. We're trying to raise twenty thousand. I think we've hit about twelve. It's gone a bit static now. So, but yeah. God, I, you know, this is actually quite a difficult. This podcast, I think, is probably one of the most emotional that I've that I've kind of felt because it brings up so much about compassion and love for people and you know this has been your business and your life there's a couple of things that I just wanted to ask you really before we close I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and I, and I will definitely link everybody into the kind of work that you do how do you stay I've asked you a little bit something like this kind of earlier but I think you know how do you stay positive and care for your own mental health 
in the face of so much kind of real pain that you deal with. You mentioned that, you know, Bill's a psychotherapist and yeah. there'll be stuff that he kind of learns, I guess, within that to kind of, yeah. but that's different because when you've got a client and you learn to kind of have the boundaries and not transfer yeah. within that, with what you're doing, those boundaries are not professionally in place. Yeah. How do you look after you through um, Yeah. I mean, Bill is a good resource for me because he knows when I'm stressed and he's quite calming. He's got quite calming nature. And so he's a good resource for me. But a few years ago, charity was going through a hard stage and I was coming home crying every night from work, you know, for months. And it was really, really getting to me. And we just sat down and we said, look, you know, this is... God's charity we've said this is God's charity if it's time to move on we will we're ready to move on someone needs to come in and take over we accept that and we just wrote something down that was for us it was almost a prayer really that we just had on the wall and it was to that effect this is your charity not ours this is not about us this is about the people yeah and from that point, Jane, I think it's just, it's taken off all the pressure that I was feeling. And, and so it's become easier because I know that I'm doing my best. Yeah. And I can't do any more than what I can do naturally. Yeah. But also we tend to have little breaks. We go to a hotel, we get cheap, you know, voucher deals. Yeah. And have a hotel stay like probably on a Friday night. So we've got the whole weekend. We feel like we've been away for a long time. We usually go with friends as well. So that's a really nice time to unwind and yeah. just... And take a complete Have a drink, break. Yeah. yeah. Take a break, well, as much as you can because it is 24-7. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's really how I sort of tend to look after myself. Yeah, and being aware of that. If yeah. you kind of wound the clock back to when Val was 21, or that kind of age. Oh, gosh. What would you, knowing what you've, looking at what you've done and what you've achieved, what kind of advice would you give to her? Oh, Now, kind of starting <laughs> out in life. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, gosh, I was so totally different. I was such a shy girl. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. So, so naive, Bill would Would, would, would Val then have believed it was possible no. for you to be doing what you're doing now? No, absolutely not. No, I would have continued being, you know, computer work. Well, it wasn't computer, it was the typical typewriter for yeah, those yeah. days. But, you know, office work, just earning a salary. Still had a heart for people. I didn't care yeah. about people, but not to, to the extreme that this has gone. Yeah. But, yeah, there, so. What would you say to her? Be you. Be you, Val. Yeah. I think that's that's all I can say. Do you know that's beautiful advice actually? I think for anybody at whatever stage, actually, you know, be you, follow your heart and do your best. Yeah. I think, you know, that yeah, be you and do do you. Well, I tell you what, Val, I think 
you being you and following your heart has touched and changed the lives of so many people. I'm I admire the work that you've done and you as a person so much. And I will, you know, share through kind of when I share the podcast, I'll make sure all the links are in there. I think, you know, people asking, what can I do? I think if you're running a business, even a tiny business, then look to Business Against Poverty to be able to regularly donate and really look at the work that People Against Poverty do and there are so many options and ways to give, as you say, through sponsorship, yeah. through the gifting. I think some yeah. of the gifts are just, you People know. People can sponsor directly to the project. If they go onto the country and look what we're doing, yeah. you know, just click and donate to it. You know, that money will go directly to that project yeah. or that cause. Yeah. And we have so many projects going on. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cutting through that own overwhelm and your kind of advice of actually, you know, follow your heart. So yeah. be yourself kind of goes for that as well. I think sometimes we can feel really guilty about what we give and what we don't give. And it's about actually look at what's out there and follow what makes you, what what kind of touches your heart yeah. and do that because yeah. that's, that's the yeah, best start, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. And not yeah. be overwhelmed into doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Val, thank you so, so much for, I know that you're busy taking that time out to talk to us and share that story today. And thank you very much. No, thank you, Jane. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been lovely to do this with you. I can't thank Val enough for taking the time to talk to us today and share her story. I know for a fact that she's been working very long hours supporting her project team in Romania as they support the refugees fleeing from Ukraine. I said in the introduction that Val was a rare person, somebody who has turned her compassion into action and has saved and made a difference to so many lives all over the world. I'm sure that you'll agree with me that Val is a truly special lady and I hope that you've enjoyed listening to her story as much as I have. If you'd like to learn more about People Against Poverty and the work that they do, then please head over to their website, peopleagainstpoverty.com and look at how you can get involved in all of the amazing work that Val has created. If you're a business owner, then also check out businessagainstpoverty.com and look at how you can become part of a community of business leaders who are committed to ethical and sustainable standards and also committed to a way that you can actually take action and support the work that the charity is doing to alleviate poverty and suffering all over the world. If you've enjoyed the podcast and would like to hear more, then please do subscribe. My thanks, as always, go to Harry Williams for his brilliant production skills and to Martin Barnes for my podcast artwork. Thank you.